to Financial Freedom, educational podcast series hosted by Arvin Venn. These 15-minute or so podcasts are meant to educate and empower listeners about key financial topics towards the road to financial independence in plain English and without financial jargon. Arvin Venn is an independent financial advisor, founder, and CEO of Capital V Group in Cupertino, California. He is regularly featured in leading national financial publications such as Forbes and many others. And now for our host, Arvin Venn. Hello and welcome to this episode of 15 Minutes to Financial Freedom. I'm your host, Arvin, and it's a pleasure to have you all here with us today. So today's episode is, again, related to finance, but not completely about finance. Like it's, so it's about financial security and how it relates to data security. Both go hand in hand. As you all know, these days, we don't write too many checks. Pretty much every financial transaction is electronic, whether you're signing your documents with DocuSign, whether you're transferring money between accounts, whether you're paying your credit card bill, it's all bits and bytes and all goes through, it's all online. So with that said, we have a lot of the bad folks trying to kind of get into these transactions and these channels to see how they can get into things that they should not. So that's a very important aspect. And, and as an advisor dealing with massive amounts of, of funds and dealing with people's net worth. So every single day, in addition to working hard for my clients' financial freedom, I also keep a very close eye on their data security. So with that said, I'm thrilled to have Michael Terry, who, who is a senior analyst at LPL's advisor security team. He's an expert in cybersecurity, and I was able to get him on board to speak with us today. He is flying around the country, talking at several events about security and financial services. So I listened to Michael speak at several events, and it's a pleasure to have him here today. So Michael, welcome, and thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Arvind. You know, really looking forward to talking a little bit about cybersecurity today, and I really appreciate this opportunity. Perfect. Thank you for joining us. I know you're a busy guy, so I'm glad you made time for us. So let's dive right in. We both know, and as an independent advisor affiliated with LPL, I know that LPL is spending a lot of effort and money in keeping client data secure. So maybe you can walk us through at a very high level without giving away the form or the crown jewels as to what it is that some of the key things that as a company that you guys are doing to keep client data and funds safe? Yeah, I think this is a loaded question, right? But this is a question that we've been getting more frequently from advisors. And it's a fair question to ask, right? So I guess I'll start by saying that here at LPO, we're committed to our investors. And so that means that security is built into everything we do. And the protection of sensitive information is going to be critical to our company's continued success. So know that these bad actors are constantly evolving their tactics. They're using different techniques to commit fraud. So I'm going to talk at a very high level about some of the things that we do at LPL. But it all starts with the protection of that sensitive information, as you referenced earlier. Mm -hmm. This data is secured, masked, and encrypted where applicable. So we can provide secure experiences as we are conducting LPL business. Additionally, at LPL, we do regular scanning for vulnerabilities. So that's performed on products. It's performed on the environment as well as supporting infrastructure at LPL. 
And then there's also penetration testing that's done and completed by third-party experts. And we complete regular patching as well. And so I guess when we do identify suspicious activity, I can just say that we will place fraud alerts on applicable user profiles as well. And I guess one more thing I'll mention is just that we have a cyber fraud guarantee. It's actually posted on our website and it's publicly facing that anyone can see it. But essentially it just states that LPL will reimburse clients for 100% of realized losses and impacted LPL accounts that were directly incurred as a direct result of unauthorized access to an LPL system. And so we did want to post it publicly so it could provide our investors with a peace of mind and they could have something that they could reference as needed as well. That's awesome. I think my clients have been very happy with how LPL has put all the safety nets in place. But this is very interesting. And it's good that you guys have that. But as an advisor, you know, we all have our annual audits. They are, the auditors walk in and spend quite a bit of time on the computers to make sure that our computers are also secure. The computers that we use for LPL business to, to access the LPL platform. And as a former technology guy myself, I'm paranoid about that. I'm glad that you guys are keep a good eye on that. For example, data is always encrypted. The firewall is always on. I use secure email using Proofpoint or others. So anytime there's any kind of account information that is can even remotely identify the client, then we have to send it through a secure email, use secure uploads. Any other tips that you have, Michael? And the other thing is also, thanks for you guys. I've done a great job in having a little fisheye icon on my email where anytime an email looks kind of suspicious, I just hit it and then send it to you guys for quarantine to see whether and to release it. So any tips for your advisory clients like me in terms of keeping things extra safe? Yeah, I guess when we talk about secure products, right? reference to phishing programs, we want to provide our advisors with tools that will allow them to focus on what really matters most, right? And that's supporting their clients and effectively operating the business, right? So you mentioned the phishing program. We also have some compliance monitoring agents that we would recommend that advisors utilize just to provide them with a, a snapshot as far as with how their security posture is. Some specific things that you can do though as well is to think about backing up your data, right? We just talked about the you know large amount of sensitive information that you you know, have access to as with your clients and their accounts. So it's important to ensure that you have a secure backup option for that data. I think of cloud storage is a great option for backing up your data. And it's actually something that we recommend our advisors take advantage of at LPL. I guess I'll expand a little bit as far as with securing that sensitive information, right? So you mentioned earlier how important it is to ensure that you're sending emails with sensitive information encrypted. And that's a great start, and we definitely want you to do that as well. But you can do some additional things, right? Starting with your work area, you can just ensure that you don't leave sensitive information on your desk or on your work area unattended. I mean, if you think about it, you wouldn't want documents with your personal information mm -hmm. just lying around anywhere where <laughs> right. whoever walks by could see them, right? And so mm -hmm. we educate our advisors to treat the investor's information the exact same way so that they properly dispose of those documents with sensitive information when they're no longer being needed. Uh, you know, if they're printing things, ensure that they are going to the printer immediately to you know, retrieve those documents. And then again, when they're no longer using those documents, ensure that they're disposed of properly so that they can't be reconstructed. I guess another big one is going to be exercising due diligence as it relates to vendors, right? Because you do, you know, 
operate and you do mm -hmm. interact with vendors frequently from time to time. So it's important that you conduct your research on the vendors that you use before using their products. Specifically, make sure that you have a signed contract with them. And in that contract, there should be language that states that the company will protect that sensitive information that we're referencing as well. Good point. And also about leaving computers and documents unattended. I'm paranoid to the level that I have a one minute shut off on my computer. I mean, even if people want to go get a glass of water, by the time I hit the door, my computer is locked and the data is encrypted. But you're right. I mean, it's sometimes even a few minutes, if a bad actor gets hold of a computer that's not locked, that's bad news, right? Having said that, everything's in the cloud in an LPL secure cloud. So there's very little need to store sensitive data on the computer itself with the cloud and the secure backup. So that's a very right. really good point. Really and I think the point. bigger threat with the documents laying around as well with the unlocked computer would necessarily be, you know, just individuals within your work area, right? So you may mm -hmm. work from home or if you work in an office, there are some advisors that work in shared work spaces mm -hmm. as well. Just want to ensure that we're limiting the exposure of that sensitive information from really anyone that's not supposed to be seeing it. Great point. So shifting gears just a little bit. So now AI is now the talk of the town. A couple of things, and you probably know this better than I do. So while we're reading about deep fakes and why I talk about that AI deep fake, as you know, anytime a client wants any kind of fund transfer, obligated and mandated to talk to the client and make sure that the emails haven't been hacked and it's really a legitimate request. And we always have a client's back account on file so that Anytime somebody wants money to be sent to a different account, not on file, there's a red flag and that it's a bit more extra talking and qualifying to go through. But what if an email has been hacked and the deep fake can actually get someone's voice very clearly? I was reading in the Mercury News, I think last week, one of the technology columnists talking about a fake kidnap ransom call from some bad actor saying that his wife had been kidnapped. It was a deep fake. It was made for some very scary reading. He called the police and finally realized that his wife was just fine and safe, but it was a deep fake call that actually uh, very realistic. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, I think it's scary. You know, I think you just have to kind of take additional steps as it relates to security, as we're still kind of learning more about AI, some of the benefits associated with it, and some of the risks that are associated with it as well. But as it relates to those deep fakes and those imitations, I'll say that you always just want to go above and beyond as far as with verifying requests. So if it's a request from your investor, just make sure you speak with that investor. I know you want to ensure that you actually speak with them, right? So if you get a phone call and it seems like there's an urgent request, you know, you still want to make sure that you follow up and actually speak with them to confirm now that it is a legitimate request before processing it. And then I think a bigger threat or big threat as far as with the deep fake with the AI as well would be your colleagues or your coworkers as well, right? You get a, a phone call from someone that you work with frequently and you hear their voice. They, you know, they indicate that there's an urgent request that you need to immediately act upon. You may be more apt to act upon that request. So one of the things that we're starting to educate, you know, our advisors about is just potentially adding that additional layer of security within your office as well, whether that means creating a, a special passphrase or a password mm -hmm. that's specific to your office that only you would know that needs to be presented before you act upon any sorts of requests. I think those are kind of going to be the preliminary first steps that you could take to add that additional verification step for processing any sort of urgent requests. 
That's a great point. I mean, that's something that with the AI becoming more prevalent, that's something that we need to take some extra precautions. I personally know people, in fact, one of our guest speakers from before was a victim of SIM swapping. He actually got a couple of accounts, small accounts drained, but he's a tech savvy person, so he was able to stop it in time. Phone numbers these days could actually be like social security numbers, like this a two-factor authentication. These phone numbers get to be very important. So very important that these SIM uh, or the phone numbers don't get swapped to a bad act, to, to bad actors. What are your thoughts and any uh, suggestions on those? Yeah, I, I mean, SIM swapping, it is a legitimate attack as it kind of a threat to multi-factor or two-factor authentication, right? We do hear it from time to time occurring. It's not something that we hear frequently, but, you know, as with every prevention or every control, you know, there are going to be ways that bad actors are going to try to find ways to, you know, circumvent those controls so that they can execute attacks. I think with SIM swapping, the the big thing to do if you want to try to avoid falling victim to that would be to try to use authentication apps would be kind of my recommendation, right? That just avoids those text messages coming directly to your phone. As far as with that multi-factor authentication process, if you're able to just use directly, you know, with those type of authentication apps, you can kind of avoid that risk right there. But, you know, it is something that we hear from time. We, we definitely preach using multi-factor authentication. You may even hear me reference it a little later on as far as within the presentation, because we do find it as a way to, you know, protect your account. But as with every sort of preventative measure, you know, these bad actors are constantly evolving their tactics to try to get around it as well. Right. Just for everyone's understanding, when you say the authentication apps, there are apps that you can download and then there's no text message coming in, but there's a token that's generated every 60 seconds that you input into the portal. I guess that's what you're talking about. Correct. Like an example of that would be like Google Authenticator Mm -hmm. is an example of an authentication app that you could use in lieu of receiving those multi-factor authentication text messages to your phone. Yes, sir. That's definitely something to keep in mind. I think I have I have a few myself to use. There's no text message coming in, but there's a, an authenticator that gives out a string of numbers that changes every 60 seconds. Or but yeah, great, great point. So for our listeners, Michael, if you had to give a few tips, like the top three or top five tips, so for our end users and clients and investors in general, what would be your top three or top five tips to keep the data safe? Yeah, another great question, Arvin. I guess I'll start by just saying that you want to, if you're as a client, you want to ensure that your information is safe and secure, right? And so there are a couple of things you can do. Here's some general best practices or tips for you. You want to secure your mobile devices. So when we reference mobile devices, we're talking about cell phones, iPads, tablets, etc. But you want to really ensure that those devices are secure. You know, there are billions of those devices circulating around right now. And I think a big threat to them are them not having passwords on them, honestly. So make sure that you have a password on that device so that if you lose it or if it's stolen, whoever has access to that device won't just have, you know, complete access to whatever apps or whatever data is included within that device as well. You should also remove old apps since we're talking about apps now as well. If there are apps that you don't really use anymore, there's not really a need for you to keep them on those devices. You can simply just delete them and remove them from the devices. You want to secure your homes as well. So Wi-Fi passwords should have the appropriate length of complexity on them. You shouldn't just use the generic passwords that come, you know, with the mode 
package that you receive right. when you're installing your home internet. And so this is a good time to talk about what constitutes a strong password and password hygiene. So we would recommend that your password be a minimum of 15 characters in length and that your password include a combination of numbers, upper and lowercase letters and special characters as well. And so it's very difficult to kind of just remember multiple passwords for all of your accounts with that type of length and complexity. So we would actually recommend that you take a look into using a password manager that will provide you with a convenient way to manage complex passwords over multiple platforms. Now with that password manager, you are going to need to create a master password to actually get into that password manager. And so that master password should be the longest and most complex password that you can remember. Some tips for creating those long and complex passwords are to use, you know, generic phrases that are specific to yourself and that are easy to remember. You can do tips and tricks to make the phrases a little more complex, right? So you could replace A's with at symbols, E's with threes, I's with exclamation points. You could add numbers in between each word in the phrase or add a series of numbers at the end of the phrase to provide you with that appropriate password that's easy to remember, but still has the you know anticipated length and complexity that's needed. So that's another thing, right? Ensure that you have strong passwords for your home Wi-Fi, and then you want to ensure that your IOTs or your Internet of Things devices, so these are going to be any devices that have sensors and that are connected to the Internet now. So we're seeing, you know, all these different devices have Wi-Fi capabilities now. You see refrigerators, toasters, grills, vacuums, you know, really everything can connect to that Wi-Fi. So with those IOT devices, you want to ensure that you're updating software regularly on those devices. Also ensuring that you're changing the default passwords on those devices. And if you feel like it's appropriate for you and you don't want your data tracked, you can opt out of data tracking as well. Great point. Those are just some of the, the main ones that I would reference as it relates just to uh, general devices and home security. I guess I'd take it a step further and we'd just say that we want your individuals to really protect their information and their identity. So that means review their accounts regularly for any unauthorized activity. If there is any sort of unauthorized activity on the accounts, they should immediately contact that company to initiate a fraud claim. Beware of phishing and scams, right? So phishing are going to be phishing attacks or emails that are sent to large groups of people with the goal to get the recipient to click on a link or open an attachment. Oftentimes we see scams included with these phishing attacks kind of hand in hand. So you always want to think before you click and thoroughly review emails. And then the last thing you can do as far as protecting your identity would be to freeze your credit. It's a good thing to do as far as preventing any sort of new accounts from being opened using your information. It's not going to impact any of your existing accounts as well. Obviously, if you freeze your credit, though, got to be a situation that makes sense for yourself, right? And you probably shouldn't be anticipating making any major purchases in the near future if that's the route that you're going to go. Right. That's a great point about freezing credit. I mean, I remember once I opened a credit card after a very long time just for the miles, and then I realized that I forgot to unfreeze it. So then I had to put the application on hold and then go back and unfreeze it. We can unfreeze for one day, for three days, for a week. So those kind of things. But that's a great point. Thanks for bringing it up. So I guess... I guess one point, never have the password for a modem or anything, or even anything as password one, two, three. Probably not a good idea, right? Yeah, no, that's not a good idea at all. Not a good idea at all. One more thing I'll add is that I use a VPN pretty much all the time. They're not 100% foolproof, but I believe to give a secure tunnel. That's a great point. I failed to mention that.
I would say that you want to avoid unsecure public Wi-Fi, right? So any sort of Wi-Fi network or access point that doesn't require you to enter a password to join that network, or if the password is just publicly posted where anyone and everyone can see it and join that network, there are risks that are associated with that. So you should always think about using a virtual private network or VPN as you referenced. Think of it as a secure tunnel that's just going to allow you to safely browse. If you don't want to go VPN, another alternative for you would be a mobile hotspot something that you can use directly via your phone as an internet connection. Uh, if you're going to go with the mobile hotspot, though, uh, there should be a couple of considerations, right? You want to make sure that you speak with your cell phone provider to ensure that you have the appropriate plan and that you don't incur any additional data charges. But we definitely recommend using that VPN or that virtual private network to safely browse. Oh, great point. So whether it's a VPN or the mobile hotspot, then they also can offer to a cellular network. The good thing you pointed out is to get the right data plan so that you don't get shocked with any extra billing. Right. <laughs> that's the last thing that's the last thing we want. We don't want right. you to get additional charges for trying to stay safe and secure. <laughs> Very true. Michael, it's a pleasure. We could, we could keep talking for quite a while more, but I know you have a busy schedule, but this has been very informative and I'm looking forward to having you over at a webinar sometime in the next few weeks. I think uh, it will be very useful, both for my clients and for the general public. Cybersecurity is not going to go out of style anytime soon. I think it's going to be even more important. So again, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us and for uh, and taking the time today. Yes, sir. No, thanks for the opportunity and I look forward to working with you more in the future as we continue to do these types of events. Very good. Thank you. Stay safe, everybody. So we look forward to seeing you soon and you tuning in at the next podcast. You can also read more about us at www.capitalvgroup.com or call us at 408-725-7122. Or you can like us or read more about us on Twitter and on Facebook. Arvind Venn is a registered representative with advisory services and securities offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. The information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor. Financial planning offered through Capital V Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL Financial. 